0: My lunch is here. I'm having a granola bar because this is my breakfast, and a, <laughs> and a cake ball because I'm an adult. <laughs> uh,
1: who among us has not just had a cake ball or a cookie or something? <laughs> like, if you've ever had a donut for breakfast, same difference. Exactly. Yeah, that's very American of us, though. Yeah, it is. It's very, very U.S.ian yeah. of us to be like dessert is breakfast. Fuck off.
2: Fuck
1: off. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to bonus experience <laughs> dessert <laughs> is breakfast first <laughs> <laughs> cold open (laughs) that felt like a good place to to just be like time to start welcome to bonus experience (laughs) this is a podcast with a deeper look at the play experience and the finer details of running and writing games and we are two queer people speaking with authority about games and we're gonna swear so you can just die mad about it yeah Uh, this is season six we're recording this early uh that's this is gonna be released at some point during our sixth season i don't know when i'm sure this will sound very weird when this drops in the middle of a normal ass sequence. But, right. you know,
0: <laughs> Let's just try not to, to do anything to date ourselves, you know, well, talk about yeah. current politics. Or... Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's going to happen anyway. We... Hello, everyone. We're pre-recording a lot of stuff for season six. So if it's dated, shut up.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh,
1: I am Monica, your host. I'm here all the time. You can't get rid of me. I'm a developer and designer for onyx path i do some other freelance stuff on the side i'm working on my own original fiction now that's a cool development welcome to 2023 i'm happy to be here and i'm in the the imaginary studio with our friend d reintroduce yourself to this yeah people who know who you are already
0: hi i'm d i'm only here sometimes but you still can't get rid of me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i am uh a writer developer game designer and i'm working on my own game this mm, year mm-hmm. two of them in fact very exciting yeah so uh new developments for me as well 2023 the year of getting shit done yeah
1: a coworker asked me if I had a like a New year's resolution, and I was like, It's really more like a new year's to do list
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's not a
1: like I have a bunch of things I needed to get done in January, and they're not like resolutions. they're like stuff I have to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. We are here to talk about resource management mechanics. Yes, I wish I had actually written some stuff down, but I didn't, so this is we're doing this live. <laughs>
0: Well, I can I can start by talking about what we mean by resource management. Yeah,
1: great. D- define that for us. That's usually the good place to begin by defining <laughs> what the fuck we're talking
0: about. Right. So resources uh, in a game, specifically, are the things that you spend or care about. You know, for example, Exalted would be your essence modes. Right. Would be your resource and. Yeah. You spend them on your powers or you spend them to get special things, and then they come back in a particular way. And every game's mechanics, how they come back is always different. And managing how you spend your resources, how they come back, when you get them, when you spend them, that's what resource management is.
1: Yeah. I'm going to add to that that there are a lot of board games that use this as yes. sort of its central mechanic, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. There are some
1: board games that are entirely about resource management. And this is a thing that can be very crunchy <laughs> right. uh, and very um, bean-county if, yes. if you are not careful. And sometimes yeah. the, if the bean-counting is done well, it can actually be pretty fun. But this is a place where, in my opinion, simpler is better.
0: Yeah, I mean, a, a good example of a board game that is nothing but resource management but is also pretty simple is Settlers of Catan
1: oh yeah absolutely you
0: know there's a lot of strategy involved but it's it's all it is is resource management
1: that, yeah that's it that's the whole thing
0: that's the um, whole game
1: well, actually that's not there is a little bit of risk management there's a little bit we'll, we'll talk about risk management being let me let's try to get a very basic definition down as being sort of the like managing the risk i can't think of a better substitute word here for that <laughs> uh, of like will i will this thing succeed right like Malifaux is a very great example because you have your hand of cards, which is a resource, uh, and then you have the cheating mechanic where you take a card from your hand and replace it with the flip you made. Mm-hmm. So the, the risk there is deciding when to use one of your limited cards to replace the result. Right. And then like, I think the best resource management mechanics work something like that where there is an element of both. It's not just the spreadsheet of how to spend stuff, it's also the question of like, when do I do it? And Catan has that in the, you put your little guy, or you, you control the certain areas on the board, and then it, that corresponds to the number on the die. Right. And so if you play the long game for, like, 1 and 12, yes, <laughs> you, you like, you're going to get big payouts whenever those two things happen, but it's a 2d6 roll, so you really want to be in that 7 to 9 spot. Play a PPTA right. game.
0: Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, so I might define risk as your decision having a consequence. Mm -hmm. And that consequence isn't always like terrible or catastrophic. Sometimes that consequence is now I can't use that thing ever again, right? It's a limited resource. And Mm -hmm. this limited resource is something that I can't get back. You know, sometimes games put limited resources in front of you so that part of the resource management is when do I use this specific instance of my resource when I won't be able to use it again and right. making that decision. You know, a, a game that had a resource management element to it that was pretty good, if I do say so myself, was uh, actually D&D 4th Edition, mm-hmm. where your resource was your, pow- your special powers. You had an at-will, the resource you could use at any time. You had an encounter power which hmm. you could use during encounters.
1: Yeah, each one once a fight, basically.
0: Once a fight. And then you had daily powers, which you could only use once between long rests. Yeah. And deciding when to use, like, you know, you want to use your encounter power every encounter because if you don't, then you've wasted the opportunity to use that resource. Right. But your daily, trying to decide, is this encounter today the encounter that I want to use it on, or should I save it for a bigger encounter later, is some question of how do I spend this resource? And that is a risky resource. That is your limited resource of how do you spend it.
1: Yeah, and when you do things like the daily power, you do run into the design problem of presenting players with the conundrum of when is the right time to use it. Yes. And then accidentally creating the situation in which you're like, "Well, whoops, I didn't use it, and that would have been the right time because right. I held on to it." And so you 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 have to be careful. So we're gonna we're gonna also talk about like the pitfalls of doing this, and that's one of them. Like, yes, if you make your resources too scarce or too narratively restricted, then you run into the risk that people won't use it, and that's not the desired outcome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm noodling using a two resource management system with one of the games that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. The way I want to do the resource mechanics of this is it will have some, you know a little bit of time resource of when can I use this power, but with a ability to reset your cooldown using a different resource. Mm-hmm. And so you can essentially try to manage, do I use the resource? that I use to activate powers, some powers, not all powers, but some powers, big powers need this to be activated. Do I use it to cool those down? Do I use it for another big power? Right. It's not completely limited. It's not so limited that I've only got one that I can use, but it is limited in that getting it back isn't necessarily, it doesn't just refresh every you know so often you've got to go do something meaningful to get it to refresh
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know what else is actually a really spectacular example of a resource management game any of the belonging outside belonging games
0: no oh, i haven't played any of those
1: uh, you know i haven't played them either but i read sleep away okay and i went oh this is really fucking good okay like, like so the tokens are basically uh, story game people are gonna get so mad at me for this but this is literally just a very well-designed resource management mechanic (laughs) (laughs) it is guys calm down uh and like the thing is is that the narrative props that up so beautifully right like Mm -hmm. you have a very limited amount of resources which are your tokens it's very hard to do your strong moves which is important and you have to put yourself sort of in a bad or scary situation at your own choice to get them back right and so you have this very very well-tuned push and pull that directly serves the story you're trying to tell I learned from playing Bluebeard's Bride two years ago that I really like scary storytelling games a lot. I love a ghost story. I love a scary story. And a a tabletop RPG that lets you do that, like just tell a ghost story is just mm, for me. Oh, yeah. So I bought Sleep Away and I was very impressed with it. Really, really cool. And then I was also like, oh, the resource management in this spectacular because it's the thing propping up the thing that makes it scary. Uh, And and, and, and there's no randomization either, which is one of the things that's nice about it. If you're into that. And so I also think that adding a level of randomization on top of your resource management mechanic is making it even harder.
2: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So
1: I really, all of that just to say that I really dig a mechanic in any game where to get your resource back, you have to do something.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that thing that you have to do needs to be meaningful and actionable because, you know, I think about, oh, you need to do something to get your resource back and... Mm -hmm. The World of Darkness and Chronicles of Darkness games have a resource management mechanic mm-hmm. that is sometimes, in my opinion, the thing you have to do to get your resource back is a mm-hmm. little nebulous mm-hmm. and a little weirdly disjointed from the game itself.
2: Yeah.
1: I I think probably one of my biggest problems with the whole World of Darkness library, and I'm including classic 20th chronicles all of that in the same Mm -hmm. bubble is that the they have every supernatural type has such really fucking cool powers this would be very exalted fan of me but uh and then it makes it very hard to use them and i i understand that like the point isn't to have the cool powers but like if you're gonna if you're gonna put these really cool dynamic neat abilities in your game don't restrict the players from using them
0: well, it would Or just be... limit
1: the number of them that they can have, right?
0: Right. Like... It it wouldn't be so restrictive mm-hmm. if there was a clear way to get your resource back. Mm-hmm. But the way you get your resource back is very nebulous and kind of up to your storyteller. Mm-hmm. All the storytelling storyteller games are very like I'm going to go feed. I'm I'm a vampire. I'm going to go suck on somebody's neck to get blood back. Right. And That should just be something you can say you do, but you've got to do a scene and then it's random how much blood you get or if you want to, how long or how many people. And it's difficult because it's not extremely clear. And then, you know, you have more of this resource weirdness when you get into the games like Mage or Werewolf or Changeling, where you've got to do more esoteric things than just sucking on somebody's neck
1: yeah uh, the vampire has a pretty clear like vampire is maybe the best example yeah uh, even even v5 because like the thing you have to do to get your blood back is act like a vampire right <laughs> straightforward right like yeah that that's i'm gonna call that one pretty good right yeah like, it's pretty decent because, because you want you want your resource recovery loop especially in a tabletop rpg to reinforce the things you want the players to be doing right so the point is you want to your vampires to act like vampires they gotta suck on people's necks they gotta neck romance some people um i'm sorry
0: Uh, (laughs) no you're not (laughs) no i'm not
1: uh you, you know that's how how it's you have your incentive to continue to use my sick-ass vampire powers, and to do so, I have to feed on people because I'm a vampire. So you have right. this very satisfying loop of encourage player to behave the way they're supposed to, use their cool powers, lather, rinse, repeat. Right. And vampire doesn't make it too particularly hard to no. go find a human to nibble on. No. And I understand that you're sort of supposed to be like, oh, I'm a monster. But we all know that vampi- all vampire, all vampires, about playing sexy Draculas.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs>
1: And you're right that in the other permutations of that supernatural template, it gets a little... Like, the mage one is especially weird, Oh, if yeah. I remember right. Oh, yeah. Terry is going to come yell at me if I'm wrong, but... <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll have a follow-up episode that's just Terry corrects me about mage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, I don't know the mage thing particularly, well. I just remember it was weird and, like... I don't know that it necessarily reinforces the idea of being a wizard. And the Exalted one is just rest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kick your feet up. Kick your feet up, yeah. And I kind of got on this whole thing because I was doing an analysis of Exalted 3rd Edition's moat pool sizes. Where Mm -hmm. there is a specific set, like you respirate five moats per round. That's the, the thing. It's also sort of a mechanic that Essence took and sort of crunched that five down into one. And then I was very frustrated to discover that the moat pool sizes are not tuned specifically so that five moats in, five moats out. No. Mm -mm. They're not at all. No. (laughs) Not even a little. No. Uh, (laughs) uh, I I just, like, I was doing that and I just turned entirely into that meme picture of Miyazaki with his glasses up on his head. Mm -hmm. Where he's like, God, he has a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Uh, I'm like... Oh, the unenviable task of trying to figure out how much things cost in third edition. And I, like, I figured it out. The problem is that like the moat pools themselves don't match. And that segues us really nicely into one of the things I feel very strongly about designing resource management is that if you are going to do that, you absolutely fully need to understand the minimum amount of the resource you can have. Right. And the maximum amount of the resource you can have. Right. And set those two limits firmly. Yes. <laughs> And ideally, especially for a tabletop RPG, you want those two limits to be a number that people can kind of do math on super easily. Yes. 2, 4, 6, 8, 10. Perfect. Uh, 1, 2, 3. Perfect. 5, 10, 15, 20. Perfect. Right? Like, getting weirder than that is going to start putting more overhead on top of it. And then make it a little harder for you as the designer to know where those things are going. So if you're like, okay, five of this resource goes in and out every turn. Then I know that I have to use units of five and maybe half of five, so two and three, as midpoints, right? Like, so if I have this, if I know five goes in and out, and I want to have an effect that will be recovered, but leave the player or the character rather a little in the hole, that's where two comes in. That's where three comes in, right? So you have like these two midpoints of they're going to get five of that value back, but two of them have to stay out. And so you have a little push pull right right and like you should be thinking about and the, the nice thing about using big numbers like 5 10 15 20 is that you have those midpoints to balance out stuff that you want to be slightly more expensive right right yes and if the the opposite is also true uh if you are using really tiny amounts like 1 2 and 3 then you have the difficult choice of like okay what two effects are worth one mm-hmm. like some things are worth one that are not quite as good as other things that are worth one, right? And then mm-hmm. you have to decide where does where's the difference between one and two, mm-hmm. and what is that worth? Which was, you know, a lot of the essence balancing right. nightmare. <laughs> and also, if you, a, if you have a resource management mechanic, especially where you're looking at a push-pull of like, it, you're going to recover this much in X number of increments, and I'm just using Exalted as an example because I live in that monkey house. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> You also have to decide what's free.
0: Yeah, I was about to say that some things should be free when you have really small numbers.
1: Mm-hmm. Even when you have bigger numbers, what's, yes. what? what do you value at free?
0: Right. And, you know, I think my answer to what should be free are either things that are aesthetically part of the game mm-hmm. that... The character should just be able to do. Mm -hmm. You know, you want your free stuff to be things that reinforce your game's most basic premise and make the characters kind of feel like useful Mm -hmm. at all times, even if they don't have their resource. Mm And in Exalted, you almost never don't have your resource, right? Because even if you run out of your resource, you just wait a turn and now you've got Got a little little bit bit of your resource back. Yeah. And running out of your resource is actually very difficult and exalted.
1: It's a little easier, in essence, than it is in 3, but yes.
0: Okay. But when you think about what's free, it needs to be... I mean, it can't be game-breakingly big stuff, but it needs mm-hmm. to be thematic stuff that, th- yes, this is the thing I want to see over and over and over again because it makes the most sense in the game world
2: mm-hmm.
0: and makes the characters feel useful.
1: Right. Also, like, one of the things that we valued at free a lot in at least the essence core design are things like double nines unless it's coupled with something else like it's mm-hmm. just like i get double nines to smell good and you're like okay cool. that's free that's fine right it just that it just it just modifies your smell good rolls right like right it's kind of inconsequential mm-hmm. and like i think that's the sort of thing that in third edition might cost like one or two boats which is essentially also free
0: when you said <laughs> smell good i didn't yeah. think like with your sniff well i mean i thought like
1: emitting a pleasant find aroma you- yes. <laughs> i mean both of them would be considered free right yes like, i know <laughs> i mean that is also double a good nines example to double be nines to, be, to be
0: perfumed to be perfumed
1: right well like both of them fall into the same category of like using your sniffer particularly well or also uh, emitting a pleasant aroma are not game-breaking yeah no. unbalancing things they're they're sort of things that that are fun to add to your character, like playing like a, I don't know a wood aspect who smells pleasantly like flowers twenty four seven, and then gets to leverage double nines whenever they're like, "You want to do what I'm asking you because I <laughs> smell so good, right?" Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> and you know that also averages out to like what one success per roll or something right. like that. It's not a fantastic bonus, and you can you can look at that not just through the lens of Exalted, but through anything else where you're you have things that are free that like add a tiny bonus but don't they're not big rules exceptions and we could do a whole nother episode on right. exceptions based design and I think maybe we will
0: yeah yeah, that would be fun
1: <laughs> yeah so like games like Exalted and games like, like Malifaux are strongly based in rules exceptions where your cool powers let you break the rules in some way or right. ignore a rule in some way and so when you are building your resource mechanic on top of a system that is exceptions based cuz not all systems are fate isn't for example you also then have to decide what exception is worth what
0: right and sometimes that like sometimes you can have clear cut this specific type of exception costs this much this specific type of con- exception costs this much and how you implement it makes the powers different right but sometimes that's just vibes
2: mm mm-hmm. It it it,
1: it kind of shouldn't be, but like you should you should always sort of know why you are making the exception, mm-hmm. and the science of what gets to be made exceptions should be there. The art of when to apply it is the art. That's the vibes, right? That's, like, yeah. <laughs> you should absolutely know what is good to make exceptions. We're getting way in the weeds on this, but like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but like you should. You, uh, let's talk. Let's try to keep this to resource management, like. If you know the bounds of your resources, right. you should know that, yet yeah, they can't go below this minimum and can't go above this maximum, and then if there's, if you have a setup where there's likely to be spillover because you're, again, making an exalted system, or say, let's say any other system with explosive dice, right, where you know that there is the possibility that if your resource is randomly generated or tied into a random generation, you could wind up with too much of it. And then you also have to know what to do with the overflow. Because- right. It sucks, and it's bad game feel when you have a hard limit on the upper end, and then the overflow does nothing. Yeah. And you're like, what did, I, what did I generate all this for?
0: Right. That's why successes-based roleplay games, it, and when I say successes-based, like, you need three successes to get this effect and five successes to get this other effect. Mm-hmm. A lot of World of Darkness games have that, and... Sometimes that can be I got 10 successes. Well, you got your 3. Yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about fate for a second since sure. I brought it up. Yeah, yeah. Cuz fate is fate has a resource management mechanic. You have fate yes. points. They're very points. Im- they're very important to the whole thing, right? Yeah, they really are. And fate is not an exceptions based game. It is not. You have you have very specific things you can do. Even with your cool powers. Like, you can have a cool, like, a stunt that gives you a boost, and it is always going to be plus two. It's never going to be anything else.
0: Oh, I think it's a permissions game.
1: Yes, that's your a Your powers great, great, give you yeah.
0: permissions to do mm-hmm. additional things, but doesn't break any of the previous rules.
1: Right. Yeah. Fate has a bunch of real solid, like, a real solid, light little framework. I'd really love to see Fate get a second edition. Third edition? Because I guess Fate is technically an updated version
0: of Fudge, but well i mean there was fate accelerated
1: yeah fate accelerated was was just fate but trimmed down even further right. um maybe maybe too far in my opinion but i know a lot of people who like it that's not it's not an unselling point for me sure uh
0: unsold yeah Give it um,
1: back yeah I guess, just imagine me just like throwing a copy of it at rob donahue <laughs> For the record, I actually know Rob Donahue Hugh and we like each other. So like, this, this is not a. This is not. I just want the audience to. This is not a Monty Cook situation.
0: No, uh... <laughs> <laughs> where Monty Cook is your nemesis and he doesn't he know doesn't, you exist. He doesn't know
1: I exist. Yes. yes okay. <laughs> right so yeah so like fate is kind of all about the narrative permissions right so if i am playing i don't know uh, a cloud giant maybe i have a stunt that automatically gives me a boost anytime i leverage being bigger than people right which also like might just be an aspect i have
0: sure yeah i'm a big ass cloud giant could be sounds like a fate aspect it does
1: sure sound like a fate (laughs) aspect I would probably I like to phrase my fate aspects in in fun ways because that you know we're sure. table, we're, we're authors for the Tabletop Industry so my my fate aspects are always really fun phrases. Yes. Uh, so my 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 fate aspect for that would probably be something like bigger and meaner than you.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> like any time that applies is spend the fate point. And then you have the the cool thing of like you get to invent your trouble which is the thing that lets you get your points back. Right. So you This is super fun to look at this as like a resource management game and me talking about like the narrative propping up that whole thing. And so rather than something like Sleepaway, where the game gives you a whole bunch of prompts for the the storytelling things that you must do in order to get them back, to put yourself in these specific scary situations. Fate goes, you decide the thing that you want to reinforce.
0: Right. And, And sometimes that can be a little bit of cognitive load on the player. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially people who are new to fate because i've seen people struggle to make good troubles mm-hmm. because they they're they're not writers
1: <laughs> yeah
0: and what you know like i i don't know what about my character i want to reinforce yeah. right like
1: fortunately you can change that too you like... can
0: yes i was essentially thinking like using that kind of mechanic is good i i love fate Mm-hmm. But it can come with a little bit of drawback of the cognitive load that it takes yeah. for somebody to come up with that on their own.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's and like any time you have a fill in the blank thing, mm-hmm. you run that risk.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And and that's not that's not bad. It's no. just it's just what it is, right? That is at least a little bit in part why Essence subbed out defining intimacy for virtue. Yes, because like. It is not actually because I think making up a defining intimacy is impossible for new people to do. Absolutely not. People make up that shit all the time. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. It's just slightly easier to pick the thing that defines you off a list than it is to make it up yourself. Slightly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> slightly. It's, it, is, it is slightly easier and anything. I, I mean, I think it is easier, not just slightly, but it is easier because the more fill in the blank that people have to do. Mm -hmm. It's faster for sure. It's faster, right? Some people have a really strong concept at the very beginning of what they want to make. And everything just falls into place. You fill out your defining intimacies because I already have this giant backstory in my head. And like, those fill in the blanks are already filled in based on the character I want to play. But some people come to a game, I do this a lot where I'm like, I'm not sure exactly what I want to play. I'm going to let the game help me decide.
1: Yeah, I do that too. Sometimes I'm just like, I don't... People are like... I'm often sometimes envious of people who roll up with like, I have this whole character ready. I wrote a 30,000 word backstory. Yeah, I, I know everything about them. And I'm like, I don't... Um, So I'm going to just assign (laughs) my, I'm going to play with the things I think are interesting to play with and I'll decide who this person is after.
0: Right, exactly. And so
1: I think it's also very valuable when games allow you to swap your, like the the things that define your character, especially if those things are resource defining.
0: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I like the concept of speaking of like resource defining Mm -hmm. another resource in the world of darkness games is willpower right and there are picks for that that help you get that back which are like your nature demeanor type things Mm -hmm.
1: vice and virtue in
0: vice and virtue yeah Mm -hmm. and those again are their picks that you make and then when you act on them you get willpower back if you Mm -hmm. and then there's ways to like use them to get all your willpower back Mm -hmm. and i actually like those that Mm -hmm. resource management system better than i like the the power resource management system (laughs) i was
1: kind of thinking the same thing right then go on
0: yeah because i have a very clear this is how I act. This is how I am. I can act both ways. These are, you know, I can essentially play into these things to get my resource back. And I kind of choose when to do that and Mm -hmm. how to do that Mm -hmm. versus I act like a vampire and I get my blood back because that can kind of get a little boring.
1: Yeah. There's also that, like how... When you're designing a resource management mechanic, especially for something that's going to prop up an RPG, the question is, how often does it happen? Right. And then, how long does that stay interesting? Right.
0: You know, I don't know, like, I haven't actually gotten a full game of Scion going. I've Mm -hmm. essentially been played in two games where I started at origin level, Mm -hmm. and then we stopped playing for various reasons.
1: Yeah. I. I, (laughs) Despite having done a fuck ton of work on scion i've played in like two games yeah <laughs> this is the same like i don't think i've also same. going to just publicly admit that i've never played trinity Continuum. Just-, <laughs> just never got a
2: chance How dare! Uh,
1: i would i would really like to play assassins like i don't want to run it i actually would like to just play it
0: yeah, yeah but I, i've run plenty of trinity but i haven't actually had a chance for somebody to run it for me mm-hmm. i think i played in a in an aeon game okay But I have had zero chance to play any of the other eras. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, now we've been talking about this, and this is actually kind of a fun conversation to be having right now because I am working on an outline for a game, Mm -hmm. which will probably be announced by the time this airs, Mm -hmm. that I'm thinking about the resource management for that game Mm -hmm. and how I want to align, you know, this essentially these two resources that I've you know, come up with one which is timing, the timing mm-hmm. resource, and then the other, which is a spendable resource, and how you how do you get that back? Mm-hmm. And this conversation has actually helped me think about, well, how do you get that back? Right. And it needs to come back in a cool way. I am, you know, I'm gonna hire an author to write that section. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to give that person strong direction. Mm -hmm. right like here's how you're going to get this back write it this way
1: yeah right and the the, 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 number one determine where your minimum is and your maximum yes that's that step one determine the limits of how much resource you can generate how low do you want to go how high do you want to go step two what do you do with your spillover if you're going to have any Right. Like fate doesn't have any no. belonging outside belonging doesn't have any because they have no, there's no explosive dice roll to spill it over. Right. Uh, so like if, if that is not a concern, don't worry about your spillover because it's not a, it's not going to
0: happen. Right. Some, sometimes it's a concern. Sometimes not. Sometimes it's not.
1: Right. Like also, I'm like, just going to keep referencing Maliphone Through the Breach. You have a maximum hand limit. Right. right. So uh, you, you start with six. I think the max, I think is 12. I don't remember, but... Right, there's a, there's a there's minimum of zero, obviously. You can have an empty hand, and then there's a maximum. Right. Can't have negative cards, not how that works. <laughs> also, don't do negative anything in a tabletop RPG.
0: No. Don't do negative
1: anything. Stop. No. The, the floor is zero. Don't... I don't care how clever you think you are, don't do it.
0: <laughs> Negatives are...
1: Bad. Don't do it.
0: They're... they're ju- well, they're... You know... If I were if I were making a game that was teaching math, the sure. negatives would be fine. Yeah, actually, but because we're not making a game <laughs> that's teaching math, don't do it. Because math isn't hard or anything, and the math for negatives isn't hard. The moment you put a negative in front of a number, people's brains shut off, mm-hmm. and it's. It's like the difference between I, I've I've had to have this discussion with people like sometimes people will hire me to go over their system and give them critiques and essentially the reason that Terry calls me the Crunch Doctor,
2: <laughs> uh, or the Crunch Doc. <laughs> uh,
0: so I've had to tell people like you should not make X minus Y your mm-hmm. main game mechanic. You should make Y plus X. Right. because it's effectively the same but mm-hmm. you don't want people subtracting for some reason addition is easier than subtraction on the fly yeah. in people's yeah. minds
1: it, i 100 percent agree i can go i can go forward just fine going backwards makes me churn like a dreamcast
0: yeah like <laughs> there's dated it's...
1: joke for all the people who are like what the fuck's a dreamcast <laughs> like, never heard that terrible old console just be like
2: <laughs> raw, raw, whenever it tried to read the <laughs> <Yes>. disc
1: <laughs> i think we still have one. Oh my god it was a great little console yeah but but like anytime it would load it made the worst fucking noise <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> which is funny because subtraction isn't any harder than addition
1: It's not, no. It's It's just slower. But
0: psychologically, it looks more complicated, like, to your lizard brain. When Mm -hmm. you were first looking at a subtraction, you're like, I gotta do what? Mm -hmm. And then you can do it. But you don't ever want your players reading your game and going, I gotta do what? (laughs) Like, that's not an okay reaction. And some people, no problem, right? Some of your readers will have no problem with it. They're not going to react that way. But you don't want any of your readers to react that way. Right. You want zero people to react that way. You do. And so, <laughs> and so addition is just infinitely better. Mm-hmm. That's my small soapbox for this <laughs> deep
2: dive. I mean I mean I'm on it with you. <laughs> okay.
1: I'm on it with you. My like, this is sort of related, but generally like favor addition. It's the easiest. If you have to multiply by two, no more. Or five. Or five. Two people, or five, because people, those things, people can, yeah. can do that in their head pretty easy. Yeah. If you must divide, half only. Half only. And if you have to subtract, keep it very simple. Yeah, like by minus one. Minus one, minus two. Like, uh, let's say you're doing a D&D style game where everything is basically static values. So like, mm-hmm. minus two to the check, right? Sure. Or if you're doing um, a dice pool game, minus two dice. Yeah. Or if you're doing a PBTA game that is also basically heavily modifier based, minus one. Yeah. Minus one, right. minus two. Minus, minus at- one, minus two. Minus two yeah. is pretty fucking brutal in a PBTA game.
0: It sure is. <laughs> and yet, all your conditions give you minus two. Yeah, well. Well. <laughs>
1: uh, anyway, th- but like, that is the that is the order in which you should do it. Right. Addition first, simple multiplication, the simplest division, half only, and then minus one or minus two. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's- and this this also sort of applies to your resource management mechanics as well. Yeah. Like you have to know the flow of things going in and out. You have to know how this is going to recover, how many things are coming back and like what is the overhead on the person for doing
0: this. Yeah, the the recovery thing is actually interesting to talk about. Let's talk about that for a minute yeah. because if we talk about it in the aspect of the addition only, no multiplication, you know, simple multiplication, very little division, mm-hmm. then do X thing get half your pull back. Right. Perfectly fine. Do mm-hmm. X thing get one thing back. Perfectly fine. Do X thing get half your pull, multiply by three and add two. Like stop. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that.
1: <laughs> Once this starts looking like something from Algebra 2, stop.
0: Yeah. <laughs> stop before it
1: starts if, looking if, like that. if i have to remember the order of operations like yeah. if i have to remember the math thing like it uh, was it addition I, I literally can't remember it right now so if i have to try to remember that stop i kind of got like awakened the scales fell away from my eyes when i played um, weird's game the other side for the first time because it had absolutely fucking outstanding resource management mechanics
2: Ooh, um, tell me about it, them
1: it's been real a really long time since i've played it like oh, okay. three or four years um and then i lost the book i went mm. to go look for it the other day because i actually wanted to go back and reference some of this the really good rules in it um but one <sighs> of the big things is that it very much understands how many tokens each like t- generating tokens on your units is very important and then you spend them to do stuff and then like to give yourself good conditions and things like that yeah and each conditioned token has a positive side and then there's things you can force to flip them to give the target the negative side and if you oh. can flip it back you get the positive thing back or cancel it out depending oh, on how many of them you have yeah and it's it understands like how many each unit can generate it understands how much each thing costs it understands the regularity with which tokens will flip and that like cleanliness of those interactions is just
2: mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: of course there were things that were a little OP was the first release of a game but like that part the core generation mechanic beautiful and sometimes a little bit of Malfo's design gets carried away with the card generation and how frequently characters can mess with the deck to the point where occasionally I'm like do you guys understand how a 54 card deck works (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and the other side doesn't do that it's much more calm about that and Mm. much more sedate in understanding like the scarcity of cards and then using that tremendously like the cheating mechanic is still the same but the frequency with which you gen- generate cards turn your deck remove things from the deck is much smaller but it's also less of a push your luck game than Malifaux so I get it and also one of the things that both games do is this is not really a resource mechanic sort of a resource management mechanic sort of the suits on the cards give you additional abilities like you have like your attack action and then if it's like I'm ma- if you play a card with a matching suit it gets to do another extra thing right Uh uh-huh which is actually one of the key inspirations for modes oh nice do you have anything else you want to touch on
0: i guess let's in cap with like what you know recapping what we think makes a good resource management
1: sure if i haven't beaten this drum enough (laughs) it is understanding the flow of your resources you need to know your minimum you need to know your maximum you need to know the How many come in, how many come out, how hard it is, and what you're reinforcing. Right. Yep.
0: I think that your resource management needs to be fun and not feel like a chore. Mm -hmm. I also think that when you are doing your resource management, that it doesn't feel outside of the game. Right. It should feel like it's a part of what's going on for whatever reason. Yeah.
1: Yeah and i th- i i do think that that if you have a smooth well designed understanding of how your resources go it will generally be more fun than not but you but i think a lot of that the fun part is tied up in the reinforcement part like mm-hmm. you have to enjoy the you have to enjoy the part that makes people want to go pursue resources that should be exciting for people. And that is the art. That's the part that's
0: vibes. Right, right. That's the part that you're like, huh.
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's the part with no good answer. You, that you have to figure out on your own. Uh, Unfortunately, I I can't help you. No. The thing that I can tell you to do is to go look at games that you think are good and do that well, and then try to do what they do. Right. I completely forgot to do our, our little ad read. So I'm going to do it right now as we're wrapping up this episode. Sure. Hey, we are still part of the Misdirected Mark Network. You can become a BXP patron. Remember that you get to chat with us directly. If you are a patron, you get a special role on our Discord and sometimes we do exclusive hangouts. When those happen, you get them. Uh, you can support us for as little as a dollar a month. We love everything that you are willing to give us. Any support matters. If you'd rather support BXP without Patreon, you can subscribe to our coffee. Uh, that is ko-fi.com slash EXP, Or you can buy our stuff. We have two merch stores. You can go to bxpcast.com slash bxpswag. Check out our merch page. All the stuff we can get is linked there. And there's also a copy of our affiliate link. So if you want to buy books that Ray and I have worked on, or Dee has worked on, or any of our other rotating door of regular guests have worked on, you can just go grab that, drop it onto the link, and then we get a little kickback. Also, don't forget that BXP is sponsored by Nerdy Kepi. You can get all kinds of rad queer swag. Remember to use code BXPCAST at checkout for 10% off, and that never expires. Also, we have exclusive BXP stuff there. You can get a cool like black and white shirt that has the BXP logo all over it. Um, I think we have a shirt that just says Margaret with an exclamation point.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: we have a variety of things with our logo that that is styled to look like the LaCroix logo. And all of those are on Nerdy Keppy only. So hey, that go get them and support a small business. Saying nice things is also always free. Please leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google, Stitcher. I think we're on Stitcher. Spotify, hey, I don't know where you're listening to this. Wherever you're listening to this, give us a good review. Tell your friends. Help us get more listeners. And if you like bonus experience, you will also like Pandas Talking Games. Queer gamers talking about tabletop role-playing games and making outtakes. Join Pandas Phil and Senda every Wednesday answering listener questions about playing, running, and designing tabletop RPGs. Get cozy and let's talk about some games. And genuinely, if you like bonus experience, you will like Pandas. We have this very similar energy. (laughs) So I think that... About wraps everything up. You can find the show at bxpcast.com, like we just said, part of the misdirected mark network. If you have any questions, you can email them to us at bonusexpcast at gmail.com. We do have a Twitter, it's at bonus expcast, but I don't think either of us are checking it right now. You can always join us for the discussion on the BXP Discord. We have a little exalted quarantine if you're really interested in hanging out with us and talking about exalted. <laughs> but I do promise that we talk about other things, but you know, we work on Exalted and people really like it. And there's, that's a big portion of our audience. So just go in knowing that if you're joining the BXP Discord, we talk about Exalted a lot. You can find that at tinyurl.com bxpdiscord BXP Discord. where can they find you if they want to get more D action
0: um, That's terrible. I, I
1: should not have said that.
0: That's, woo. <laughs> I am also in the BXP Discord. I mm-hmm. rarely read it, but sometimes I do pop in there to make witty comments. You can also find me at daniellozon.com, the website that I barely update, and um, otherwise don't perceive me. Okay,
1: cool. Uh you can follow me. I'm still on Twitter, though. At this point, I've given up the pretense of like me talking about tabletop stuff on Twitter at all. I have just, I'm, I've started to just like horny things on main. So, what you're <laughs> I'm, I'm at Zenith Sun, and I like one of my friends' porn a lot. So, just be forewarned. <laughs> <laughs> but if you actually want to hear me talk about tabletop stuff, uh, I much prefer to do that on Tumblr because I can like write out posts and not get dogpiled by people taking everything in bad faith. And I am Dice Dash Wizard on Tumblr. Please follow me. The only people who are following me right now are porn bots. Uh, I think that's it. All right, uh, everybody, get out. We got out. Yeah, I gotta. It's lunchtime. It's kind of late for me. I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> Let's go. Oh. <laughs> All right. Remember, change it if you want to.
2: Do I have to do this? Ugh, fine. Bonus Experience is written by Monica. Ah, and edited by Margaret. Our logo and art is by Nino Studios. Find her on Facebook and Instagram. Our theme song is Reuse Noise with the Light by CDK and is used under the Attribution Non-Commercial Creative Commons License. BXP is part of the Misdirected Mark Network. Okay, there, I read it. Now bye!